You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to an episode of NFT 365. It is episode 420. Puff, puff, pass if you participate in that environment. Um, and I thought for episode 420, tap into a little bit of um, my roots, uh, a little bit of uh, the tech evangelist side of me, which has been you know most of my background, uh, and kind of cover some of like the broader things that I think a lot of us are thinking about right now. Um, and it kind of all ties uh, perfectly together. And it you know there's been a lot of great reminders in Web three, um, in sports, in the business world of uh, of like kind of this idea of change of defining the future and also kind of remembering that um in many cases you know decisions that are being made are business not personal and that is hard for me to say i don't know about you guys but i am a uh, people pleaser and i am often one that in my in my career in my past um i have made the mistake where i have made decisions that were um, not beneficial for my business, but were things that I wanted to do, right? Or things that I would, you know, I would enjoy and I would give it away rather than charging what I should charge for. Or um, I would assume certain people would make the same decisions I would make. um, And in turn, they would not, or they did not. And it's been interesting over the last uh, couple months, you know, identifying the kind of the creator economy and even trying to figure out, um, what's next for me individually, right? Because, you know, as most of you know, you know, professional speaker is a, a lot of my job and then also as a content creator. Um, but I'm entertaining opportunities to go back uh, into the full-time uh, kind of workforce, still content create on the side. Um, but I'm entertaining that as a, as a future endeavor. As, you know, I really enjoy working with teams and I enjoy building things together and not having as much to worry about, you know, um, you know, individual budgets or, or R and D or a lot of these things that, you know, we end up having to do as an entrepreneur. And, you know, if you have a brand or a company that you know of, or that you think I would be a good fit with, um, hit me up. I'm, I'm entertaining and open, uh, to all the possibilities. I'm not saying, uh, you know, anything is set in stone. Uh, the podcast will continue to go on. Uh, we will continue to create a lot of the content that we do, but, uh, I'm keeping my options open and, Keeping your options open, I think, is also just one of the themes that I, I think is so important in this space. And I know not everybody is a golfer that listens to this podcast. Um, I know not everyone is an Apple fanboy that listens to this podcast. And I know not everyone cares about like streaming TV wars and marketing at, at that level. But I'm going to connect all of those marks. And, and I'll start with kind of the most recent one. And we'll talk a little bit about the SEC um, and their most recent um, kind of filings with what they're doing with uh, securities. But I have to say, I was like floored, blown away that the PGA Tour um, announced yesterday that they were merging with Live Golf. Uh, for those that don't know, Live Golf is a Saudi-based uh, golf uh, tour that started uh, about a year and a half ago. And they paid 
crazy amounts of money for people to go over there and play. Um, it was me less less gay or less golf matches. Um, they got to play as a team and they got paid. I mean, tons of money. Rumors of Tiger Woods getting offered eight hundred million dollars and uh, Royal Roy McIlroy um, turned down five hundred million dollars. And when all of this was going down, the PGA Tour was blown blown away, right? Because it's really, let's face it, it is a um, run by a lot of old, set-in-their-stone white guys. Um, and there's change is not their, their flavor. Um, disruption is something they've never really had to deal with. And in many cases, they took a hard stance, like saying that anyone that left the PGA Tour to take the money from Liv um, would never be able to come back and get their PGA Tour card. Um, they'd be allowed to play in the majors, but they wouldn't be allowed to get points. And, and if they took money from the Saudis, then they were bad people because the, you don't know where that money is going from or what that money has been funded by or what are the living conditions there in Saudi and all of that. And then out of nowhere, those same people that have made those proclamations and they really, you know, they, there was many golfers that decided to turn down that money because they believed it was what was best for golf. Um, and they pretty much put their own personal wealth, their own personal success aside. And they, they ended up siding with what they believed was either morally right or what they believed was going to be the best for them in the, the long term or what meant, meant the most to them in the legacy side of the house. And the crazy thing about it was yesterday's news came out of nowhere that the two tours are now going to merge and a lot of the money that was being funded for Live is now going to be funded into the PGA Tour and the DPA, DP World Tour. But really this isn't, for me, I'm, I'm bringing this into the conversation because it's actually not the golf part that to me is so interesting. It's the, it's the judging, it's the making a lot of proclamations. It's also recognizing that like, Really, nobody will ever protect you or take your best interests to heart except for yourself. And that's hard for me to say. I, I don't even like saying I, I hate saying that, actually. Like, I, I really don't like saying that because for me, that just means that, like, why, do we, why does it have to be that way? And, and maybe that's just the world that we're living in right now. But to me, that was really interesting because we also have to give people permission to change their mind, right? And that's a big thing for me. Um, I, I think, you know, there's certain things that are unforgivable, but there are a lot of things that we have to recognize that people make a lot of decisions or they act a certain way based on like how they were raised or the information that they were provided at that time and that it's okay to change your mind. And I think if that's one takeaway that you could take from this entire episode is you should, be, you should feel free and open to have strong opinions that are loosely held, that you're not afraid to change your opinion if you get new data or information or if your view on the world has changed or what your version of success has changed. Because let's face it, um, you know, from the golf side, it was the enemy that was coming to steal their players and, and you know, um, buy golf, right? But then there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, now there's new data, new information. And what about if they took all that money and put it into the great game of golf rather than dividing golf, how, how good can that be for uh, the future? And, and that idea of changing your mind will also come into play with technology. There are a lot of people that are going to be, that are probably saying right now 
that crypto is evil and it's for money washing and it's all securities and it's all for money launderers and frauds that in the near future are going to change their mind. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that if we are pro crypto web three and we have to be okay with that um, if you if you're on the other side of the fence, right? Because like truth growth is about providing people with more data, more information. And that's gonna that comes across with everything. Now, technology is that way, of course. If you remember before this shiny iPhone thing, we were given a AirPod or a um yeah, a AirPod. Um, not AirPod, um, an iPod. Jeez, see, I forgot. Um, we had iPods. And originally they had like the little dial on them. Actually, I think I have a pillow with one of those on there. Um, I'm not sure where I put that pillow. Um, but I have a pillow that has one of those dials on there, right? And then the iPod changed from having a dial to where you could just see what song you were listening to. And it was in that really weird script and that funky looking display to where then we had the iPod Pro that had like an actual display where we could change our playlist and we could see a lot of things. Well, if you think about it, what those two pieces of technology did was they allowed Apple to better understand the behaviors and consumption model of not only music, but how we interacted with a mobile device that was way more advanced than the CD player or the, 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 the cassette Walkman, but they still weren't 100% sure. Like you don't know how someone is going to use a certain piece of technology, especially something that is so transformational until you put it in their hands, until you start to, to lean into that. And we could argue that it, it was the iPod that pushed forward what became the iPhone, right? And then it was the iPhone Max display that really grew the concept of the iPad, right? That all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, people like, people are still going to use, I remember like, oh my goodness, iPads are going to cannibalize the the laptop business, the laptop market. No, that's not the case, right? Like I own two la- two iPads. I own two laptops. I own one iPhone, uh, I'm a, a, you know, for those that don't know, like the, my brand and my business, I social fans, that letter I at the front of social fans is because I'm an Apple fanboy through and through no, no bones about it. But I also own an Android because I like to know how both sides of the world work. And I'm not one that bashes something I don't understand. I would rather understand both of them and make the best decision for myself. But I say all of that because you know, the, the most recent WWDC announcement by Apple with the, Vision, the Apple Vision Pro, I mean, that technology is freaking mind-blowing. Now, most people, most news out, outlets, and most people that don't like change, they, they jumped on the price point and said, wait a second, we don't even want to buy the, the, the Quest from Facebook for $500. Why the hell are we going to buy the Apple Vision Pro for $3,500? Now, for those that are in Web3 and crypto, $3,500 is less than two ETH, just to be clear. Um, I know many of you that have bought a lot of crappy things for less than around two ETH that you could buy like some of the most advanced technology that we have at our disposal. But if you think about it this way, when I looked at the Vision Pro and I looked at all of the features, right, where you don't have controls and it's tracing your eye movement and they're doing a lot of things on device. You don't need to have connected to your iPhone. They took the battery and use a, a cable and the battery is disconnected. What Apple is doing with that device is they don't believe, I believe they don't believe that device will be their mass market device. What that device will do is there will be developers 
there'll be geeks like me that, you know, right now I'm sitting in front of four monitors. What if I didn't have to have these four monitors or I didn't have to sit at this desk and I could have that same display where right now I have, you know, I have my Chrome, my Chrome browser on one display. I have my Discord uh, on one display. I have Dex tools on one display. I have my WhatsApp and my iMessenger uh, on one display. What if I didn't have to have these physical displays and I could throw on this headset? To me, that's a that's a game changer. But I will tell you the 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 pieces about this that 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 Apple will start to learn is okay, hey there's a two hour battery life people are freaking out because there's a two hour battery life what I heard when I heard there was a two hour battery life is they don't see people wearing this device for longer than two hours at a time think about it that way what they want to see is if that people that own it are complaining of the battery life is it because they want to play longer than two hours. Or it's because they, they forgot to charge the battery pack, right? Whatever it may be. Or maybe they're trying to, de- to determine what, it, what are people's threshold for wearing something on their face? Like I, for one, like I don't wear sunglasses very often because I wake wearing my hats pretty low and most sunglasses bump underneath my hat. And I also, when I'm talking to people, I don't like people to have to look through sunglasses. I've just never been that person. Um, no shade on those that wear sunglasses, um, you know, inside, um, you know, or wear your sunglasses in the dark. Uh, <laughs> you can take that where you want. But what I found really interesting in this, and there was a lot of announcements within that WWDC that I thought was great. Like the updates to the Apple Watch, oh, so freaking good. Uh, a lot of the features coming to iOS 7, 7, sorry, iOS 17, I'm super excited about. Improved uh, AirPlay uh, is one of them. Improved um, you know, sharing on, uh, on devices. Also, you know, the idea of customization when we're not using our devices, uh, much like cars, right? Like our cars are the most useless things that we buy. Think about all of the unmanned driving hours that exist with your car. The amount of hours your car sits just taking up space, not being used in your driveway or when you're traveling or when you're not in it, right? And when we think about technology, a lot of technology that we buy there's a lot of unused time, like our stove and our ovens, um, our washing machines, right? And it's kind of crazy in a world that we think about it, like how much do we buy things that we don't use but very rarely, right? Which is funny because like we don't want to spend a lot of money on our bed, yet our bed is something we use every single night, right? I always find this kind of like a weird sideshow. And I told you, I'll warn you, this episode's very ADH driven. I'm going to be all over the place. But what I got out of that Apple... Um, announcement is that for someone like me that is neurodiverse where you can now use the API and start creating environments that empower those of us that are neurodiverse. Maybe that we can integrate 8D audio, which audio that moves around us, the spatial version of us that, that allows those of us that are dopamine uh, deficient, which is what those of us that are neurodiverse are. Well, it actually increases our, our dopamine and allows us to stay more aware um, the idea that we could actually create environments. Now, I will tell you, I was sitting with my three daughters watching the Apple WWDC announcement uh, because they were home for school and we were sitting on the couch. And I really wish I had recorded their comments because my daughters, 13, 12, and 9, were like, Daddy, who's going to wear that? Oh my goodness, those eyes look weird. And then I was like, well, think of all these things you can do. And my daughter was like, yeah, but you'd have to have four of them for one for all of us. And what are we all going to do? We're all going to sit around in the same room with the same headset on. And it was funny because like 
a lot of their first reactions make sense, right? And and they haven't really addressed the virtual reality, augmented reality world of what does it look like in a shared experience world. But that's actually where I wanted to take this conversation is that I actually think this is one of the key focus points of the future. We have to focus on two different types of consumers, the passive and the immersive. Let me say that again. We are going to have to focus on the passive and the immersive experience. I believe augmented reality, which is what those glasses are, the vision pros that Apple put out, uh, augmented reality, remember, is different than virtual reality because augmented reality, they are overlaying these digital displays with the world around you. You can still see the wall in front of you. You can still see the door around you. Your ears are open. You don't have something over your, uh, covering your ears. Uh, virtual reality is when you are stepping into a con- a completely different environment blocked off um, from your physical world. But uh, to me, that's not really the, the thing that's interesting here. The thing that's interesting is there are going to be passive consumptions, right? Like, so let's say the Super Bowl party where you have people over to watch the Super Bowl game, the Super Bowl. That's a passive, for the most part, a passive um, consumption experience, right? Because people are doing so many different things. But then there's also going to be the immersive uh, experience. And I will tell you, as someone that lives alone when I don't have my daughters co-parenting, the idea of creating an immersive environment and wearing something on my head doesn't scare me at all. It actually excites me, right? Because I could almost create the digital environment where like, I could see myself doing dishes or cooking, wearing that virtual headset because I could keep my the front part of it open, keep digital displays around me, and even create an environment that makes it even more exciting for me to cook, right? Where the menu or the, the YouTube video is playing. Um, and right now, that's, that's damn near impossible, right? I have to like, I mean, if I look over right now in my kitchen, which is, you know, on the opposite side of my home office here, like I, I have an iPad that is sitting on top of my Ninja Foodie. Uh, my my <laughs> my ninja cooker, and I have an iPad that's propped up there because I was cooking last night, and I wanted to have the 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 recipe up. But then I was also mad because my oven faces forward, and the the sporting event that I was watching was on the TV that's behind me, and I can't even watch that. Right, let alone I can't take notes or if someone you know messaged me or whatever that may be. And so, like I look at this as like what Apple is doing with the Vision Pro is that they are going to learn the habits of what people wear on their head, how people are using this device, and what are the key features that we like so that the next pair, the, ne- the future pair, which I think they're going to look very much like the, um, the Snapchat spectacles. I have my spectacles here, um, or even the Google Glass. Like I have a feeling we're going to get back down to that technology, but rather than starting in that technology, they're giving us everything from like fingerprint, you know, because like you, whatever your eyes are looking at is what it fo- it focuses on, and then you you just push, you put your fingers together, and that's the that's how it dictates action. So like the bottom of the Vision Pro has cameras on it, right? There's infrared. It'll even take a it'll take a 3D image of you, so that if you join a Zoom call that you are in the actual Zoom wearing the clothes that you're wearing at that moment and it's that like the 3D representation of you, not like that phony Mark Zuckerberg version um, of an avatar that doesn't look anything like you. And I say all of this because it in everything in our, our technology life, when we are trying to change habits, when we are when we are pushing the envelope of innovation, 
we have to understand that in some cases we have to push what's possible to a few people to understand what the majority of people would need. And I will tell you, that's kind of where we're at in Web3. And that also kind of plays into, I don't know how many people were our HBO Max subscribers, but there's a lot of people that were making fun of the rebranding from HBO Max to Max. I mean, like, I can't believe you're taking off the, the HBO brand that has such powerful recognition from premium experiences for all these years. Like, what are you thinking? This is the dumbest thing ever. The truth of the matter is HBO Max carries a very polarizing financial status for many that are millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers. Like Growing up, if your parents had HBO in the house, you had money. Truth of the matter, right? Like you had money. HBO was premium. Like I don't even remember how much it was back then. Like I know in college I worked at Dish Network uh, and uh, you know, at Dish Network, it was always like the $20 upsell per month for people to get HBO and we got rewarded for that. So I would hard sell HBO and, uh, and that side. But one of the things I find interesting is in, as we are moving into the streaming wars and if you think about it, you know, streaming of TV and streaming of content, we were sold Netflix because we could be the cord cutters and get away from cable. And cable has 500 channels that we don't know where anything is on and, and we should go streaming. Well, now we have 50 apps that have 500 shows on each that I don't even know what is what. Like I was trying to find that, that TV show Jury Duty last night and I was like, I think it's on Peacock, Paramount, or Amazon. And I like figure out which app it was on and then figure out like, and what's interesting on that is for the last like five years, the streaming apps and world and how much we're willing to pay has really got convoluted. But I will tell you over the next three years, I believe it's going to be shrunk back down where Max is going to swallow up different programming, different documents, documentary, uh, documentaries, even podcasts. And I believe what HBO Max rebranding to Max is setting themselves up for is not trying to compete for the premium service against Netflix and Amazon Prime, but against the YouTube of the future, right? Because YouTube TV is not a thing at the moment yet, right? We, I, I'm one that has YouTube TV, but I still pay for Xfinity uh, because I like certain you know, live sporting events and live uh, content, even local news and such. But very quickly, uh, and it might be this fall, with the NFL moving their NFL Sunday tickets to uh, to YouTube TV, I might be moving off of Xfinity uh, and moving that way. And I think when we start to think about like future consumption habits, that relationship we have with the creators, the creators of document uh, documentaries, the, the creators of TV shows, and like we have the writer strike right now, a lot of that can come down to individual relationships within a greater streaming platform. So I actually think the YouTube, the HBO Max is to make it to where it doesn't seem like it's as polarizing. And Max, which is going to have like, you know, I think it has Hulu already in it. I believe it's going to have Disney um, in involved inside of Max. Max is much more than just HBO. And that's what they're kind of preparing themselves for. And so I say all this because we have the Gulf merger, which is like the most beautiful example of disruption and people, you know, getting mad frustrated, kicking up the dirt, calling people names only to a year and a half later, 
say, hey, it's all business and we'd rather have the money than not have the money and they're going to make the change. Uh, and just for the record, I think it's a great move for golf, for golf consumers. Uh, I think the people that get screwed in this are the golfers that are on the lower tier, like the golfers that turn down the $50 million to go over to, to live and the golfers that barely make the cut on a regular basis uh, today and now having all these golfers come back. Like those are the ones that get screwed in that in that mark. But I will tell you, the thing that is super exciting that we have to also connect this to Apple is that Apple drives trends, adoption, and mainstream conversations. Like I was in the cloud computing space. Nobody cared about cloud computing until iPhoto all of a sudden had photo streams in the cloud. When all of a sudden my dad was like, oh yeah, my photos live in the cloud. All of a sudden the idea of cloud transactions and software as a service and you just pay a subscription uh, fee all of a sudden that became much smoother much you know much more made sense the idea of apple pay like i don't i don't use my physical cards barely ever ever i mean i i had to pull it out today because i had a, a mobile guy come to change one of my tires in my jeep and he was like you need the physical car and i was like crap where is my physical wallet because I don't use my physical cards. I use my Apple Pay tap uh, everywhere we go. But the, the funny thing about that is I remember Apple Pay tap three years ago and I was like, there's not enough stores that have it. And like, why would we use it? And now when you think about it, we're moving towards a much more digital transaction. And so all of this to say that what the the information that we're provided today, we have to start thinking about things beyond you know, our, our current, you know, consumption model. Right. And like, and like for me, I was thinking about it, you know, on the airplane, right. When I'm on the airplane, my ability to feel connected and productive, like I'm really productive on the airplane when I'm working, but Holy crap, could I be more productive if I had this Apple vision pro headset and I could put that on, I could have multiple displays. I could have my chat up, my email up. I could be working out on, on something in my AI art. I could have my podcasting stats up there. Like, holy hell, would that unlock uh, a layer of, of productivity for me? It would also unlock my ability to work from anywhere, right? Because still today, working from every anywhere, I mean, it, it's hard for some of us, the, the work that we do, to work off, off of just a laptop screen. And, and heaven forbid, a laptop screen in the, in the sun or outside um, is not like the easiest, um, most user-friendly environment. But what if we were able to work without, we didn't need a desk. We didn't even really need physical walls. We really didn't even need physical power. And let's face it, we know that the the devices will come soon with cellular and satellite capability where we won't even need Wi-Fi, where we will be able to throw that on. And and to me, there's so many cool examples. Like if you are uh, you are someone that likes to go fishing, right? The idea that you could put on this AR display in the, in the morning when you're going out fishing before the sun comes up, like how many less boating accidents would exist? Cause you would be able to have an interactive map in front of you when you're, when you're boating or what about, you know, for someone that is doing, that is trying to do customer service or tech support or work on a car where right now we need te technicians everywhere and we can't have doctor. We don't have enough doctors or teachers. What if we were able to create environments where we are able to to really immerse people in experiences in ways that we never had thought of. So what my challenge is for everyone that's listening to this on this episode 420 is that we shouldn't get hell bent or stuck on one way of doing things. And that includes as a creator, that includes as an entrepreneur.
I've been an entrepreneur for now 10 years and now I'm entertaining the opportunity to go back and work for someone else or work for an enterprise uh, level company or even a startup. And for me, part of it is not because I don't like being an entrepreneur, but I'm open to a new challenge. I'm at a different phase in my life where there's certain things that I'd be willing to do or not do that maybe I wasn't willing to do or not do 10 years ago. In this world with change and with technology and with so many opportunities, I challenge us all to keep an open mind to what's possible. Be willing to be curious. Be open to the idea of giving yourself grace and recognizing that maybe you didn't like something or you didn't understand something or you were scared of AI, but now that you've heard more examples of AI, you're now excited about it. That's okay. And we need to, we need to give others that same forgiveness. Now, I will tell you, the place where I don't give forgiveness is with the SEC and this regulation BS that's going on. The fact that the SEC has labeled things like Cardano and Solana and Sand and a bunch of these coins uh, securities without much guidance is a bunch of, you know, I believe, a bunch of misrepresented understanding of where we're going. And they're trying to really, I, I picture this like a cartoon where the SEC understands that digital currency and the blockchain is the future, but they're holding on and like they're trying to put their feet in the ground and hold on and, and slow down adoption and, and slow things down to where they can figure out where they get their cake and eat it too. And I think if anything that the, the golf thing taught us is that it's all business, it's never personal. And let's face it, the U.S. is going to want their tax money. The regulators are going to want to have their control. The big companies and corporations aren't going to go quietly in the night and say, oh, decentralization sounds amazing. Uh, we don't need AWS. We don't need Facebook and Instagram or Twitter. We just need everything decentralized. That's not going to happen. People are in this business. People, this is their livelihood. And let's face it, a lot of people hate change. But the truth of the matter is we can't let those that hate change and those that are disconnected, sad losers that are, oh man, I tell you what, the SEC and what they're doing to me is just, it's just dumb ignorance. And I think, unfortunately, it's going to cause havoc, especially for those of us here in the United States for the next couple of years. But I don't believe it's going to stop innovation. It might change how we have to approach certain conversations. But this is just another example of recognizing that it's not personal, it's business. And I think we have to change how we do business, how we are thinking about the future, how we're thinking about adopting new things, and even how we are, are willing to push the envelope of innovation. You know, if, if Bitcoin is the answer and we have to play more with these ERC21 uh, tokens, then that's the answer, right? If the idea is that, you know, certain places, like I, I didn't realize like Tezos, um, I just launched an art collection over on Tezos and I didn't realize that you can't use Tezos in New York. Another thing that surprised me, right? I didn't know. But the moral of this whole story is that there are a lot of powers that be that are going to continue to make decisions and that are going to continue to innovate and roadblock and do all of their pieces. The question just becomes, are we going to, sit back and I'll let them disrupt and stop us from doing the things that we want to do? Or are we going to be the ones 
that stand up and make changes and make choices and believe in making the world a different place and not allowing the same old, same old regulation and the same old, same old, um, you know, one percenters to run the world. We are living in interesting times. I'm excited about the future, but I'm also open and entertaining just about every possibility of where we're going. I'm still bullish as hell on NFTs and the power of tokenization and the blockchain. I'm excited for the speaker mastermind and the idea of empowering speakers to, you know, to deliver their messages and, and build trust because I believe AI will never be the vehicle or the facilitator of trust that will always be humans. And so those of us that look at AI that allows us to be more productive and scale so that we can spend more time being humans building trust are the ones that are going to win. But we also have to own the fact that a lot of this change is scary. It's unknown. And some people are going to get hurt. Some people are going to get burnt. Some people are going to get left holding the bag. Some people are going to get stuck uh, behind and they're going to get stuck realizing that they should have embraced the change. But I think more so than anything else, uh, I am still extremely confident and bullish and excited about creating a future that is not just better for my children, but is better for us right now living it where we are able to disrupt and change the status quo and really transform this idea of finding that harmony between technology and humanity. Till next time, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review, like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always... 